we have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. A state which will live in infamy. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall never surrender. My Prepper brothers and sisters, you arrived at the bunker. Grab a cup of joe, a stout tea, or maybe your favorite adult beverage. This is the Prepper's Place for open discussion on whatever the hell we want, brought to you whatever the hell way we want. This is the new format of the OGTX Bunker, a Prepper survivalist show. So sit down, kick back, post up, relax, and welcome to the bunker. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Military industrial complex. And we as a people will get to the promised land. We will make America strong again, proud again, safe again. We will make America great again. This is the OGTX Bunker. We are your hosts, Rhonda and Keith. Message us at speakpipe.com forward slash OGTX. Email us at shtf at offgridtx.com. Visit us at OGTXBunker.com. Welcome to the show and thank you once again for joining us on our Prepper Survivalist journey. So as we come to the end of Season 3 of the OGTX Bunker, we decided that we'll be mixing in replays of our most popular episodes so that you guys get a solid weekly show filled with informative entertainment that also helps boost listenership, which is always a good thing for any podcast. The new season of the OGTX Bunker begins January 2nd, 2023, and we have some very cool things lined up for you guys in the new year, including some special guests from the Prepper Survivalist community and our first ever live show where you guys will get to interact and be involved in the show live while it's happening. So let's get to it. Here's a fan favorite for you to enjoy. Winter is coming. For some of us, it's already here. I love the winter season. I love cold temperatures. Everybody who knows me knows that I love the cold and I hate the heat. I live in Texas, so it's kind of weird to say that I hate the heat. But here in Texas, we don't get much of a fall season, and the winter is just cold enough to be 
a pain in the ass. And we go from hot to warm to cold in about a month's time. And then just when we start to get acclimated to the cold, it gets warm again. To put it in perspective, here in my region of Texas, we have mild winters with average nighttime temps in the 30s and average daytime temps in the 50s. We do get northers that roll in at least once a month between the months of um, November and February that drop the temp into the teens and the 20s, which is why you'll hear more about ice storms than you will about snowstorms in my area. But in most cases, we just get cold, windy, rainy, wintry weather, which is why I say it's just winter enough to be a pain in the ass. But still, we prep for the cold. Now, humans are simply ill-equipped to survive extreme weather conditions without proper materials or products or gear. Since, I don't know, the beginning of time, civilization has been painstakingly developing materials and products to use to survive extreme cold conditions. And with the right preparations and some training, you can survive in extreme cold weather conditions as well. Though we're not talking about an SHTF situation or an emergency, um, prepping for winter as a survivalist should be the same as prepping for any winter survival scenario. As preppers, we prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So tonight, let's talk about some of those materials, products, and gear, and some tactics, and some changes in lifestyle and diets that could get you and your family through the cold winter. At least that's our plan. Like many preppers, I keep my preps in heavy-duty Durbilt uh, bins. Now, you know the ones I'm talking about. They're the, uh, the black ones with the snap-on yellow lids. You can pick them up at most home improvements or warehouse-style uh, type stores. You know, Amazon's got them for like 15 or 20 bucks. These bins are really great. I don't really remember how, how big they are. They've got them in several different sizes. But they're they're really heavy duty. They're black. They've got this yellow uh, top on it that snaps on. You can stack them. They take a lot of weight. You can fit a lot of things into them. They are not waterproof, but they're water resistant. They don't have any holes. So they will hold water if you ever needed to store water in them. You can do that as well. Um, but they're great. The handles are excellent. They're well-built, they're tough, and they're cheap, and you can get them just about anywhere. So that's what I use. And these are some of the items that I keep in my winter bins. Now, first, we'll talk about the obvious, clothing. I keep thermal base layer clothing for me and extras in other sizes for friends in tag-alongs. You know who I'm talking about. And these should include wool socks and thermal gloves and always pack a pair of mittens. That's right, folks. Mittens aren't just for kids in snowball fights. Uh, I've got two pairs of mint-conditioned Soviet-era combat uh, mittens. Uh, I picked them up online for about 20 bucks used, and they're in excellent condition. They're awesome. You can layer heavy-duty mittens over your thermal gloves for extreme cold and wind protection. You know That is if you're not using your, your fingers for anything. If you're doing something that requires dexterity, pull your mittens off. Most mittens come with these strings or lanyards that you uh, attach to your arms. This way, when you pull the mitten off, it just dangles there. You don't lose them. This is a good practice to follow so you don't lose your gear. Another gear hack of snow hikers is to opt out of using white-colored gear. Okay, White-colored gear can get lost in the snow, especially at night. Other items to include in this category are breathable base layer, long sleeve shirts, and leggings. Thin and breathable is key. If you sweat, and you will, that water needs to be pulled away from your skin. This is extremely important in low temp environments. Water has a far higher thermal capacity than air does. So the sweat on your skin will literally pull or draw the heat from your body. 
you need thin fabric up against your skin that will wick away moisture. Now, thicker fabrics tend to hold the moisture in place. That's not good. You don't want that. Now, there's a, a popular website for hikers. It's called um, backpacker.com. Check it out. They've got a lot of good articles uh, for like the outdoorsy type person um, and hikers. Uh, I read a blog on that site recently about uh, winter hiking. And they say the golden rule of winter hiking is to stay dry. Your biggest problem isn't getting cold. It's actually getting too warm and sweaty because once you stop moving, hypothermia can strike in less than five minutes on a cold, windy day. So layering is key. If you start sweating, immediately shed your layers or slow down so you can stop the sweating. Now here are the basics. Layer one, no matter how frigid the temperature, wear a light, long sleeve base layer next to your skin. Thinner layers wick sweat better and dry faster. Also, opt for shirts with thumb holes in the sleeves, which you can put around your thumbs. This will keep drafts from sneaking in between your sleeve and your glove. Now, layer two should be a thin mid-layer, either wool or polyester or a blend of the two. This is your heat retention moisture wicking layer. Layer three should be a puffy zippered jacket with a hood. Now, this heat trap is your best friend in frigid temperatures. And in extreme cold, wintry conditions, you may want this fourth layer. Layer number four should be a shell made of a waterproof, breathable fabric with taped seams. Size it big enough so it fits over everything else that you're wearing. Now let's move to the feet. Now keeping your feet warm and dry is another essential practice that must be followed if you plan to survive winter conditions. Boots. And not just any boots. Waterproof thermal insulated boots preferably with good arch support and rubber soles for comfort. If you run into a situation where you're going to be on your feet for long periods of time, foot fatigue can be crippling. Okay, rubber soles and good arch support will combat this pain. And don't wear these specialized boots as your EDC gear. Okay, they could be expensive, so you don't want to wear them all the time. When you're not in the cold or in the wet conditions, keep them stowed away. Your footwear is arguably the most abused article of clothing you will wear. Don't put any unnecessary wear or tear on your gear, so keep them stowed until you need them. So what about your head? Hats, headgear, shelter for your melon. Uh, I'm a big fan of beanies and Ushanka-style hats. Uh, Ushanka or trapper bomber hats, you, you know what they are. They're, they're the hats that got the thing that comes down over the ears. Usually they've got some kind of a fur lining or whatever. They're popular in the extreme northern territories of like Siberia, where not wearing proper headgear can be fatal. These hats have the flaps that cover over your ears and can be worn up or down to protect the chin and your neck. And uh, and what can I say about beanies? I mean, if you live in a region that gets cold, you should have a half a dozen beanies in your possession. They're cheap, widely available, and can be rolled and compressed into a small footprint, easily storable in all of your kits. Now, we always hear about keeping your hands and your head warm, okay, when you're braving the cold. But another extremely important area of the body to consider, and we always forget about, I think, is the abdomen, your chest, your stomach, your back. Now, they should always be kept warm as possible, okay, which is why having three solid layers of clothing on your abdomen is such a widespread practice by those who live in the cold environments. Um, the layers don't need to be super thick and heavy. 
And what's most important about layering is the type of material closest to your skin. That's the important one. Now, if the conditions that you're in are wet, on a cold rainy day or wet snow, a light fleece-lined rain jacket and pants can be useful. Uh, You should keep one or two of these in your winter preps as well. And since we're talking about shelter, some common sense gear needs to be mentioned as well. So let's include wool blankets, emergency blankets, uh, bivvies, sleeping bags, and tarps as part of your winter preps. These items should always be accompanied by duct tape, paracord, fire starter, and a knife. And I've said this before, and I will say it again. Okay, it, it's, it's, a, it's a survival standard. It should be your survival standard. Okay, in fact, anytime you're building kit of any kind for any reason, always, always, always include duct tape, paracord, fire starter, and a knife. Consider these four items to always be the finishing touches of all your kits. They're ultra cheap and widely available, so you have no excuse for not including them. Now let's move away from shelter and discuss other winter preps that should be considered. Since water should be on the top of every prepper's list, we'll touch on the other liquid that every prepper needs to have during the cold winter months. Alcohol. Yes, not only can alcohol lift your spirits, but it has many other uses. Now, needless to say, drinking to get drunk or even buzzed may not be the best decision you can make in an emergency situation, but it's definitely not a good idea in freezing conditions. A shot of liquor in your coffee, tea, or hot cocoa can raise your core body temperature in small amounts and may help improve your mood as well. But you got to be careful. Too much alcohol will have the exact opposite effect, and it will lower your core temperature. In large quantities, it can impair your body's ability to shiver, which is an important function your body uses to help it heat up. Alcohol with tea and honey has been known for many years to help with sore throats and mild colds. Uh, when consumed prior to going to bed. It's a great sleep aid. I always keep a couple of liters of spirits in my winter preps. Try to find less expensive brands that offer them up in plastic bottles. These weigh a lot less than than glass, and the plastic containers can be useful when the alcohol is is gone, is used. And and glass can break during during transport, uh, should you need to bug out. Now, if you're storing them in a secure location like a closet or a basement or a root cellar, Glass is always the better choice. So if they're going to stay put, get them in glass. Now, how about distilling your own alcohol? Okay, distilling your own alcohol is a great prepper skill to learn and master. For many of us, distilling alcohol is illegal or has restrictions. So I'm not telling you to break any laws, but distilling water is completely legal and is a must-have survival skill for all preppers, homesteaders, and off-graders. Okay, you don't need an elaborate or expensive distillery system. You can DIY a small distillery with cheap items bought at your local Walmart. Check out YouTube. There's a ton of videos out there that will teach you how to build and distill water and grain alcohol. It's a skill you do need to learn. You should learn it, and you're going to have a lot of fun doing it as well. Now, like I said, it may be illegal in your area, so be careful. Now we're going to move on to fire starting, everyone's favorite prepper skill. Have you ever wondered why every prepper survivalist is always talking about fire starting? Showing off the many ways to spark up a flame. You know, coming up with creative ways to build, store, and transport fire-starting kits. Well, the answer is as simple as it is complex. Fire is widely accepted as one of the most important natural resources to human life. Darwin described fire as the greatest discovery made by humans, second to language. 
Now, we tend to think of fire as a, an open phenomenon, you know, as in a campfire or a wood-burning stove or the lighting of a match, okay, where the flame is open and visible and produces heat that goes up into the air. But we use fire in ways most of us don't even realize. Scientists and engineers call this hidden fire, uh, like the internal combustion engine of a car. Yeah, when you're in your car driving down the road and you want to accelerate, you step on the gas pedal. Have you ever stopped to think about at that exact moment, you're creating fire in your engine? It's hidden fire, but it's, it's fire nonetheless. In fact, most humans are creating fire throughout the day all the time and don't even know it. Fire is essential for life. When considering your fire starting gear as a prep, keeping multiple different ways to produce a flame is essential. I've heard preppers say, you know, why do I need fire starting gear or skills? I have a big lighter, lots of them. Uh, What more do I need than a lighter? Well, actually, a lot more. And the big lighter is a great prep. You should have several multi-packs of lighters in your preps at all times. And you should always use one of these lighters instead of your fire starting gear. You know, unless, of course, you're in, you're in training or you're testing your, your fire starting gear. Okay, just use one, not all of the big lighters, just one. Now, keep all the others unused and full because these lighters, if new, can be a great barter item in an SHTF situation. Using one lighter to create a fire can save your fire starting gear. Your fire starting gear is not replaceable. Now, once you've used it up, that's it. It's gone for good. Now, there's many fire starting kits out there available for purchase. They're cheap. So throw one in your cart every single time you go shopping for gear. A prepper can never have enough fire starting kits in their gear. They should be in every kit, bag, stash, cache, cupboard, glove compartment that you have access to. Okay. And here's a cheap, shameless plug from me to you. Go to our website and grab a few of ours. Okay. You'll help support the show. And we would thank you for that. Now let's talk diet and food for a moment. For winter, think Hearty, meaty, fatty, spicy. Fill up on foods that are reputable for warming up your insides. Think in terms of thick, meat-laden stews and soup, whole grain breads and pastas. Cumin and cayenne spiked chili. That's another great one. Red meat, such as beef, lamb, and pork, is a great source of iron. And iron is an important mineral to help carry oxygen throughout your body. Here's something to think about. People with low iron may notice that they have got cold hands and feet or feel tired easily. Eating red meat can also supply vitamin B12, which contributes to healthy nerves and a strong immune system, which is vital during the winter months. Now, if you don't eat meat, and I'm sorry if you don't eat meat, but if you don't eat meat, you can make stews and soups made with lentils or beans. Uh, You can eat sweet potatoes and, and butternut squash. Okay, both of these are fall and winter seasonal vegetables that are known to help the body's temperature as well as providing lots of vitamins and minerals. Fill up on calories as if your life depended on it. Living and working in a wintry cold environment is extremely hard on the body and the mind. Drink hot coffee sprinkled with turmeric, cinnamon, and cardamom. I do it all the time. I don't do it just in winter. I do it all the time. Okay, drink hot ginger tea, another one that I love. Now, these spices, these are superfoods, and they're known to raise your core temperature and fight off inflammation. You still need to stay hydrated just like you would if you're in the heat, but you also need to stay fueled up. Your body needs to fuel for not only the physical labor of winter, but to heat it up and maintain that heat. Now, when choosing foods for cold conditions, think about foods that take longer to digest. 
The digestive process raises your body heat and helps keep you warmer for longer. This process is called thermogenesis. I'm not a scientist, so I've got to look it up. But that's the process that your body goes through when you digest food. It, it raises your body temperature. Okay, and This is what you need in the winter, in the cold. Now, as far as your dwelling is concerned, your house, wherever it is you're living, wherever you're staying, wherever you're posting up, a generator can be a useful tool to have. Now, power outages are common in freezing conditions. Just remember, very, very important, remember to always run generators outdoors and away from windows. Okay, the fumes of a generator can be fatal. Now, you hear people making this mistake every year during winter, so you know, heed the warning. Okay, check doors and windows for drafts and heat loss and winterize your exterior pipes, your exterior water pipes. A water pipe break from freezing can cripple your house and your water supply. You should always make sure to winterize your vehicles. This is another mistake folks make every year during the winter months, and they pay the price for it. Winterize your vehicle. Check all of the fluids, including the antifreeze and the radiator. Make sure you don't have any leaks. Okay, winterize your vehicle. Keep a good supply of batteries and a working radio to hear the weather and the news reports. Okay, this will keep you ahead of the game throughout the season. You want to know what's going on out there. So an AM FM radio is great and make sure you've got batteries to go with it. And don't forget to check on your neighbors if you have them and if you like them. Now, this is a great opportunity to bring them, like, let's say, a care package of winter essentials, some things that you think they might need. Okay, and it also it builds a bond with them, you know, and, and with your community. So check on your neighbors. You know, it's the prepper way. So to wrap this up, keep in mind that humans have managed to survive extreme winter conditions for tens of thousands, perhaps even millions of years. And we've succeeded because of our intelligence, our creativity, our fortitude of spirit. So every year when those northerly winds come a calling and you hear someone say, winter is coming. Know this is your cue to batten down the hatches, beef up your preps, dust off the fire starting skills. Because winter shouldn't be scary. It should be festive and fun. Thanks for listening. Good night. The Yoji Chicks team would like to thank all of you for being here with us tonight. Send your comments, questions, show ideas, and thoughts to shtf at offgroutx.com. We'd love to hear from you, good, bad, or indifferent. shtf at offgroutx.com. Visit our website at offgroutx.com. That's offgroutx.com. I am Cam O'Keefe, and this is the OGTX Prepper Survivalist Show. Off Grid Texas, prepping, surviving, living, thriving. <laughs>